You're listening to The Message from the Hillsborough United Methodist Church, our weekly sermon broadcast available for working around the home, your commute, or wherever God calls you to listen. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We have lots of people who claim authority in our world. Uh, In the church, we have lots of ways that we care for the authority that we give out to individuals. Uh, I have a pile of paperwork here in my hand. Uh, We'll tell you all about the authority that I have carried in different places. I have two of these. These are from the British Methodist Church, and it says right at the top, authorization to preside at the Lord's Supper. Ooh. Uh, Because I was not ordained in the British Methodist Church, because I just came as kind of a a wannabe pastor, um, I got this authorization, and it was renewed every year as the name of the circuit that I was serving. Uh, so I'm off, is Clay Andrew is hereby authorized to preside at the Lord's Supper in the South Molten Circuit for a period of 12 months ending 31st of August 2005, when instructed to do so by the superintendent minister. <laughs> Very specific authority that was given to me. I have one for the uh, previous year as well. When I got to Oregon, Idaho, Again, I was not commissioned, I was not ordained, I wasn't anything, I was just a guy who'd been to seminary and was interested in in ministry. Uh, And then quickly, uh, after I got here, uh, presided, I was given a a license uh, for pastoral ministry. That's one level of authority that we have in the United Methodist Church. So I still have my license for pastoral ministry in the United Methodist Church uh, from 2005, December 13th. Um, And on the back, it has the record of where I've been appointed or assigned as a licensed local pastor. One of the things that was uh, sort of interesting in that first year, I came in September to La Grande, and the first Sunday of October, next Sunday, in fact, uh, is always World Communion Sunday. And I was so excited, my first church in the U.S. to get to preside by myself, and, and I did World Communion Sunday and uh, only realized after the fact that I was not yet licensed for pastoral ministry, which meant that technically I was in violation of the discipline because I had acted with an authority that I didn't actually have. As far as I know, no one got ill because they ate an unauthorized Lord's Supper. A few years later, I was uh, commissioned as a probationary member of the United Methodist Church. That is the fanciest letters I've ever seen for something probationary, but there it is. Uh, Again, uh, Bishop Hoshibata was the one who uh, commissioned me, uh, and that was in 2007. And then three years later, in 2010, on the 12th day of June, I was uh, 
ordained an elder and elected into full membership of the Oregon-Idaho Annual Conference. Um, technically, this is a funny thing, and again, nobody else cares about this, but maybe you'll learn something. Uh, there are two separate things that happen for those of us who are clergy. We are elected into full membership in the conference. That happened on June 10th, and then two days later, I was ordained an elder. Um, those things are sort of technically separate. So instead of having membership in a local church, my membership officially resides with the Oregon-Idaho Conference as a clergy member. This is just paper. I mean, it's cardstock. It's nice cardstock. And it's got a shiny little thing, and it's got signatures and dates, and all the right people have looked at it. And if I were to decide, or someone were to decide for me, that I was no longer authorized, if I was going to resign as a member of the clergy, not just retire from appointment, but to step out of uh, being an elder, or for the folks who sometimes violate their vows and surrender their credentials, I'm supposed to literally turn in these pieces of paper um, because then they get, well, <laughs> written on, surrendered, um, and um, they get filed away somewhere. But I also know that if I take those pieces of paper to like Starbucks, like they don't care. <laughs> I don't get any kind of discount, right? If I get pulled over by a police officer, I don't get to hold up my elder card and be like, hey, look, at that carries no authority. Outside of the United Methodist Church, those two pieces of paper mean almost nothing. They mean a little bit in maybe other denominations. We have some denominations that we share full uh, covenant with. So if I were, uh, for some reason, interested in serving in an Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, an ELCA church, I could be appointed there and they would recognize that credential. But not much more than that. <laughs> There's really very little authority outside of our system. It's simply because in our United Methodist system, we have a process by which we ordain and elect people into full membership and assign them the authority of being an elder in the church. And it's complex and it's weird. One of the things that I love about our system and one of the things that I sometimes uh, find myself drifting, my mind drifting around thinking about uh, is that when I was ordained, Bishop Bob Hoshibata put his hands on my head and said, take authority. We actually conceive of that moment of ordination as taking the authority of the church that has been handed down through generations. You can go and find in the record, and so you can find in the written record officially of the Oregon-Idaho Conference when I was ordained and by whom, and then you can find in the record who it was that laid hands on Bishop Hoshibata's head when he was ordained. There was a bishop, and I can't remember who it was, I knew it at one point, who ordained him. And then you could go back a little farther and find the bishop who ordained Bishop Hoshibata was ordained, and he was ordained by a bishop, and you can trace it all the way back to John Wesley. And John Wesley was ordained by a bishop in the Church of England. And in that tradition, you can actually trace the bishops who have been ordained and who they have ordained. You can trace that all the way back on record, to Peter. So there's a, a line of hands that have been laid on heads, authority that's been passed down from Jesus to Peter to the bishops 
to those who have been ordained, down to me. Which is both humbling and also makes me think that Peter and John Wesley are sort of rolling their eyes, that this is where things have ended up. But here we are. And that authority means really very little. Very little indeed. We have a lot of voices in our world that claim authority. Within the church, we have lots of voices who claim authority. It's a question that Jesus had to answer. Those people who carried authority in his day, who carried religious authority in his day, said to him as he entered temple, by whose authority are you doing all of this? They didn't recognize the crowd that he was supposed to be representing, the, the school of thought, the, the group of rabbis, the, the branch of their tradition that he was supposed to be representing. So they wanted to know, who do you think you are? By whose authority do you do this? And Jesus turned the question, of course, as Jesus often does, and says, I tell you what, I'll answer that question, but first you answer me a question. And he gives them a question that he knows they cannot answer. By whose authority did John baptize? And they get together in a little holy huddle and they go, well, you know, if we say, this is what's going to happen. But if we say, oh man, what's going to happen? And they tie themselves in knots. And they say, well, we don't know. Which, fair answer. But also, in response, then Jesus says, then I'm not going to answer you either. We get tied up about questions of authority. Who's in charge? Who makes decisions? Who carries responsibility? There's a lot of questions, of course, these days in our political debates about authority and who has the authority to do what and what happens if one person does not cede authority if another person is elected president? It's an important question. And still, that question about presidential authority pales in comparison to questions about real authority. Who is it that has responsibility? How is it that you decide who makes decisions? It's a question of authority that they ask Jesus, but Jesus turns it around on them. And it's no longer a question of human authority that Jesus is asking. It is about divine authority. See, as much as I appreciate having my certificates, as much as I love the thought that there's a line of people that goes back to Jesus who have commissioned and ordained people that I can trace that ended up with me. That's human authority. And it pales in comparison to the divine authority that Jesus is really talking about. I love uh, serving alongside you as your pastor. And I mean it when I say alongside. I know that um, sometimes it feels like, and sometimes it really is true, that in our system the pastors are seated at an elevated position and given authority that, to do things at others. There's really only one thing, there are a few things, but there's really one thing that is 
clearly specifically given to pastors and our congregations to do that nobody else gets to do, and that is pastors alone can set the time and place of worship. <laughs> nobody else gets to decide that. Um, and it's a weird quirk of our system because back when we had circuit riders who were making their way around, it was the way that said that the pastor will be there and you don't get to tell the pastor when he can arrive because he's also serving, and it was almost all he's in the circuit rider days. He was serving lots and lots and lots of other churches in the circuit. So it was a way of granting that authority to the pastor so that they could best organize the circuit and get to everybody as soon as they could. Apart from that, there's almost always other voices who have significant um, conversations with or who have votes on how things happen in the life of our church. I recognize that our system, is what it's on paper, is not always what people experience. But when I say I love to serve alongside you, I mean that because the authority that I carry as a pastor is simply to be in service with you, to work alongside you. Real authority, not human authority, but divine authority, it's not handed out because of a certificate or a title. It's not handed out because somebody put hands on your head. Real authority comes from a different place. Real authority is the people who gather every other Tuesday to care for our community by handing out food for those who are hungry. Nobody asked or gave permission for that to happen. The Spirit moved, and people responded. And we put the word out, and people came here because they trust you. They know the work that we do. That is what divine authority looks like. Divine authority looks like people reaching out to one another not because they're the pastor or because they have a role on the committee, but because they love one another. The work that you have done over these last seven months to care for one another as a community of faith is grounded in your divine authority as the body of Christ. Real authority, divine authority, it's not about titles or positions, pieces of paper or election to a committee. Divine authority is the Spirit of God at work in the world. That's not to say that there's not real power in the world outside of the divine work of God. Of course there is. Would be foolish to think otherwise. There are real systems of political and economic and cultural power in the world. But as people of faith, as people of faith, we understand that those systems are not divine systems. God can and does work through political and economic and cultural systems. God works even through the church sometimes. God can work through those systems, but God is not defined by or limited to those systems. And we, as people of faith, responding to the movement of the Spirit of God, are called to claim our authority to speak on behalf of God's children. And sometimes that will mean standing up against 
the systems that carry authority in our world. Do you hear me? Nobody is going to come to you and say, you, Mike, you, Sue, you, Jane, you, Carol, you, Christy, you, you're now authorized to go and speak up on behalf of the church. You are authorized. You are the body of Christ. And you carry that authority now to go and do the work of Christ in the world. To speak against the systems who oppress brothers and sisters, who lock children in cages. To speak up on behalf of those who have been left out and left behind for far too long. To speak up for people who are hungry, who have no place or opportunity to share their voice, to say, I need help. We get to speak up on behalf of those people because we carry the authority of being the body of Christ. And that is genuine authority. We are called to be the body of Christ. We say that, we sing that, we over and over and over again use that language, and that language comes with responsibility, but it also comes with authority. And brothers and sisters, you carry that authority. Nobody needs to give you an extra bit of authority to go out and do the work of Christ in the world. You, by virtue of being a member of the church, carry that authority. And that's a scary thing, isn't it? I remember when I was leading up to that uh, time when I was ordained, that ordination service, feeling just the weight of that. That now there was something different in my life that hadn't happened before. And it's important. But that same authority, a more significant authority, resides in my life long before I was ordained, long before Bob Hoshibata put his hands on my head. And he really pushed down hard, by the way. I. <clears throat> long before those hands were placed on my head, I carried authority as a follower of Jesus to speak up in the world, to act in the world to move in the world in the way that Jesus spoke up and acted and moved. That is the authority that we are all given. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be a member of a committee. You don't have to be ordained. You don't even have to be a Methodist. You don't have to be a Christian to be someone who carries the authority of God in the world. And systems will sometimes, often, in fact, push back against those who carry authority. Because human systems of authority and power don't like to cede authority and power. And sometimes we will put ourselves, we will need to put ourselves in places where we are in opposition to systems in our world. When we speak up on behalf of the Black Lives Matter movement, when we speak out as anti-racist, when we recognize within ourselves and within the systems that we have constructed the existence of racist discriminatory practices, there will be those who will push back against us. But we carry authority, brothers and sisters. You carry authority to do the work of Christ in this world. God is at work.
God is at work in you and in me and in the body of Christ out in the community. By what authority do you do this? They asked Jesus. And Jesus gave them a question which really was the answer. Because those who Jesus confronted, those religious authorities who confronted Jesus, when he turned the question around on them, they had to recognize immediately that something powerful had happened in John's work. They said, you know, if we say that this is by heaven's authority, well, he'll say, why didn't you believe him? And if we say it's, you know, we don't believe in his authority, then the crowds will rise up. They recognized the powerful movement of God in their midst, but they were unwilling to cede authority to it. Real authority, divine authority, comes from a movement of the Spirit of God, doing the work that Jesus has set before us, to speak up for those who are oppressed, to speak out for those who need to be set free and at liberty, to speak up on behalf of and care for those who are hungry and thirsty, to set children free from cages, to welcome the immigrant and the foreigner and the alien amongst us. This is the authority that we have. It comes with no paperwork, no election, no anything, except the Spirit of God within you. And brothers and sisters, hear this. The Spirit of God is in you. You are the body of Christ. Go into the world. Do the work of Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Janica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, Christy Proctor, and Dave Rose. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m., on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you.